You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, Packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, Pack underscore daddy. Somehow this thing got turned all the way up. I apologize for that. Let's turn that down a little bit. Just every once in a while decides, eh, you need this all the way up. Anyways, weekend episode. Uh, not a ton to talk about, which is perfect because, uh, you know, want to keep it short, sweet, concise, beautiful, and, uh, and lovely, and delicious. And, and there you go. So as per the huge, get in the group. Uh, like the page, leave a rating and review if you so choose. If you want to be super, super special, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Otherwise, just let's just launch into this break and uh, get her rocking. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So as sort of a recap of at least the highlight, as of right now, Tom Brady is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Todd Gurley is a Falcon. DeAndre Hopkins is a Cardinal. Stephon Diggs is a Buffalo Bill. Phillip Rivers is a Colt. Teddy Bridgewater plays for the Carolina Panthers. And as it stands right now, will be the uh, starting quarterback. 
no real clear answer on where um, Cam Newton's going to end up. A lot of people are starting to lose it about that. Listen, part of the problem is that he's under contract. Similar to Todd Gurley. Nobody touched Todd Gurley, and the second that he got released, there was a fury of people trying to pick him up. Fury and a flurry and a winter storm warning. An angry one. Cam Newton is under contract seeking a trade. There might be a lot of teams that don't really want to trade him, but might be willing to pick him up under different circumstances. So what needs to happen is the Carolina Panthers first have to cut him, release him, after they get nothing for him, unless they decide to take whatever low offers they're getting. And then Cam Newton needs to agree to a contract, which is probably going to be significantly less than he thinks he's worth, because let's just face it, he's not as good as a lot of people say he is. This is one of the weird things about Cam Newton. Cam Newton, there's a certain section of people that really believe he is one of the top-tier premier quarterbacks in the NFL. He was that once. Cam Newton has literally had one year in which he was impressive. That was in 2015. He is a 31-year-old quarterback who is coming off a pretty significant injury, a quarterback that is largely known for his ability to create with his legs, who is old and injured, so his style of quarterback, very much in not in demand when you're 31 years old coming off an injury. If you're Tom Brady, eh. If you're Cam Newton and what we want from you is to be able to take off and run, and we're worried about that, and we're also worried about you being injured again, not super valuable. But let me run through what his PFF grades have been. 67, 72, 73, 76, 86.5, 68, 68, 70, and then 50. People act like, you know, there, there's these high-end, there's Cam Newton, and then there's these middling little, you know, whatever. Andy Dalton has had two big years, 2015 and 2018. Otherwise, he's had the same 70s, high 60s as Cam Newton every single year. Cam Newton is more on the Andy Dalton level than he is on the, I don't know, who would be an upper but not elite tier guy. I don't know. He's more Andy Dalton than he is Deshaun Watson. Let's put it that way. He's not that good. And he's old. And he's injured. And he has serious attitude problems. The idea that he should be the most desirable quarterback in this massive list of quarterbacks is a joke. So if he gets cut and he's willing to take whatever not super high-end off. I mean, he he's probably in that Foles range. He'll get 20-something million. I mean, somebody's going to want Cam for sure. He's not a bad quarterback. He is a guy that can come in and be a starting quarterback today, and there's a lot of teams that don't have that. But he's not getting the $35 million contract. I don't know if he's getting a $30 million contract. He might. Depends who's willing to take a risk on him being the best version of Cam. I mean, it's not like he's had the best supporting cast in the world. Granted, he has arguably the best running back in football right now, but wide receivers haven't been that great, although he did have Olsen, which is was for a very long time a very good target. Still, maybe somebody's willing to take a chance. I'm thinking more mid-20s as far as what he's willing to get, and is he willing to take that? He might sit and pout, because that's his M.O., and say, oh, I should be getting a big contract. And then he doesn't get signed. I don't know. Anyways, I just bring that up because I'm already starting to hear the rumblings of how dare people not get camp. Okay, well, maybe we're all just starting to realize that Cam never was, and as I've been saying for a while now, quite as good as everyone's trying to make him out to be. And a big part of this is probably fantasy football, because he was pretty solid as a quarterback in fantasy. And if people draft him in fantasy, and he's winning you with, you know, getting you points in fantasy, and he's been one of the better guys to draft throughout fantasy football, people tend to think, well, he must be a good quarterback. Except that's not necessarily how that works. There's generally some form of correlation there, but 
not always. Especially if you're scoring a billion touchdowns, you know, when you're within the 10-yard line and you take off running and score a touchdown, you're going to get a lot of points. But that doesn't necessarily make you Joe Montana. You know what I mean? So there's that. But I had mentioned that this is the new NFL now, which is pretty exciting. When when the free agency period arrives, it's just uh, everyone goes in the middle of a pile and we just do a redraft. We just start picking up new guys. Uh, One of the newest things I woke up to this morning that was disheartening was the fact that the Saints had gotten Emmanuel Sanders. Maybe I'm dreaming on him, but it is exciting that the Packers seem to be interested in Emmanuel Sanders. Gutekunst made a comment before about there wasn't anybody we were interested in at the value we were willing to pay. I genuinely believe they were interested in Emmanuel Sanders. He just wanted too much, and they weren't willing to pay it. I think that was probably a similar situation here. They tried to get him again. I I believe this is their second time trying to get him. And I also get the impression, based on the way that it was phrased, that the Packers were very close in terms of value. It was the Saints, the Packers, and someone else, I forget who. Oh, and the Cowboys. Here, let me just read the, the tweet from Adam Schefter. It says, Emmanuel Sanders had appealed, appealing NFC options. Sanders spoke with the Dallas Cowboys and Green Bay Packers, but preferred to wind up with the New Orleans Saints, where he landed on a two-year $16 million deal. So, I mean, it tells us a couple things. The way that this is phrased, it certainly doesn't sound like they were just calling and being like, oh, so what do you want? And then they, he's like, I don't know, like, 16 million over two years probably said something higher but that's kind of an irrelevant part of the story and the Packers like all right cool and then hang up just because they were taking notes and they were never actually interested I'm guessing if you highlight these players there were actual negotiations going on between these three teams and they were all very similar offers and again the way that this is phrased sounds like he just preferred to be with the Saints which to be fair kind of makes sense warm weather dome team by all accounts probably the better team I mean, if we're just being completely honest, much more established in terms of the coach and quarterback and what they've got going on. So whatever. But the other aspect of this is it kind of confirms what I said yesterday, which is that there was a um, there was mention that the Packers are trying to get Emmanuel Sanders and Brashad Perriman. I mentioned that you never really know how reliable the sources are or any of that stuff. It's just a comment made by somebody who, in particular, some people think is just a complete fraud. But it's interesting that he just came out and said it. Now we find out that Emmanuel Sanders signs with the Saints and was in negotiation with the Packers, and that was one of his options to potentially go there. Meaning, we're kind of down to Brashad Perriman now. Now, the Packers are not going to pay more than they think is... They're not one of those teams that's going to say, fine, we'll just give you whatever you want and do something reckless. They're not, so they may not end up with them. But the pressure's on. If they're determined to get either Emmanuel Sanders or Brashad Perriman, the... Uh, it's, I mean, it's it's go time now, and you got to give your best package, your best offer to them and see if we can get them in here. Again, this is assuming that was true, but, you know, I, I talked about him back in January being saying this is kind of the guy. It's it's a high-risk play, but he's, he's everything we need. He, he was one of the best wide receivers down the stretch. He's got the speed, but he's also a good wide receiver. I understand that he wasn't a great player for the first two years or whatever, but something just clicked, and they figured out how to use him. I don't know. I'm... I'm relatively excited about the potential of a guy like that on the team and it also does similar to what the other two pickups that we have do which is just take a little bit of the pressure off even if he's not as good as he was down the stretch with Tampa it still gives us that option so that in the first round we're looking at it we don't have to freak out and take a linebacker freak out and take a tackle or freak out and take a wide receiver we get to take the best player available and if we don't get a wide receiver or a tackle or a linebacker so be it now we want it We want a better tackle and a better linebacker and a better wide receiver, but we don't need it. But I think with with Perriman, there's also that high upside that you don't get from Kirksey or 
I don't know why I can never remember Rick Wagner's name or from Rick Wagner. So we'll see. We'll have to uh, monitor that one. And if we see an update that Perriman went somewhere else, then I, I don't know. It's possible they still go out. and There's a lot of wide receivers out there. They may go out and do similar to a Christian Kirksey thing, just get a really cheap guy um, just to fill that spot. The problem with that is the difference is we do have a bunch of sort of third tier, I guess you can say, wide receivers. So adding another one doesn't make sense. We can get those guys in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round and undrafted free agency. Just get a pile of guys. We'll get another bunch of Kumaros and Geronimos. We can replenish those without going out into free agency. That's the one difference that I see here. We didn't have another tackle that could be there that's not super great, but at least we can, you know, whatever. Same with linebacker. We have to have a physical body that can play that position. We already have bodies that can play the position. We would like to get better bodies. Guys that are kind of in that second tier, where you could argue that Lazard is in that second tier. Otherwise, it's just kind of a waste. So it may be Brashad Perriman or Bust. I don't think they're in on Robbie Anderson. I've never really been super in on Robbie Anderson. I think he's going to end up being way overpriced. I think even all things being equal, I might take Brashad Perriman, and he's going to be significantly cheaper than Robbie Anderson. I, I would assume. I don't know. We'll have to see how this all pans out. It's getting. This is the other. This is the part of free agency where the Packers usually were involved. Right, the, all the big money guys go away, and then the Packers slide in and get some cheaper options. Right, the overpriced guys. So the, the teams that are willing to do the irresponsible thing and wildly overpay, they overpay the big name guys, and then you know those guys go early because it's like, oh yeah, I'll definitely take that offer. Why would you even pay? Me? Whatever. I'm not going to argue, but you're a dummy. And then the Packers kind of slide in. As the days roll on, everybody gets a little bit cheaper, cheaper, cheaper. Right, you, you listen to uh, who was it? Jadavian Clowney. Clowney really expected to have a hot market. I'm going to make a billion dollars. Turns out the offers weren't exactly rolling in like he expected. The agent goes out and says, we want this, and they're basically just being hung up on. And so the slow realization that this big mega contract isn't really out there for him, slowly his price is coming down because he wants a job. And at this point, you have to assume they're looking for an even, maybe even a lesser one for long term, because if every year I do these one-year deals and I just keep getting cheaper and cheaper because I'm getting older and older, I need somebody that's going to lock me up long term, even if it means a couple million less per year. Just a, just a thought. But again, point is, the further we go along, the cheaper everybody gets. And so now you've got Brashad Perriman, who is probably talking with the Saints, and now the Saints got their wide receiver, they hang up the phone on him, and it's like, shoot, we're running out of options. And you're competing with a billion other wide receivers, and if you're not willing to come down on your price, somebody else is going to say, fine, I'm just going to go over there and get that guy, and then that team's off the market, and you're losing options. You could say the same thing about the teams, right? Teams are losing out on wide receivers, but again, there's more wide receivers that are desperate for teams than there are teams desperate for wide receivers, especially at the caliber and price within free agency, especially, especially in a year where there's a lot of really talented free or wide receivers in the draft. So it's to the Packers' benefit that this is still being drug along. However, again, if it is down to Sanders and Perriman, there probably needs to be a little bit of urgency there. Just my thought. We'll see what happens. Would be kind of cool, though, because I, you know, I don't know if I've ever called somebody out and then they signed them before. And it was a thing, again, I think it was back in January, I was trying to find the one guy that would be like a Zadarius Smith signing, and I said, Brashad is the guy. He's the one that Gutekunst is going to be seeing and saying, that's my guy. He just fits the prototype. The age is right. The fact that he wasn't super great, but then broke out. That was Preston. That was Zadarius. That was, that was what these guys did. So that sort of fit the mold. Um, in terms of, I guess you would say bad news, Danny Vitale is, Danny Vitale is gone. I'll never have to correct myself on that again. I, I always felt like that was a possibility. When I saw he was a free agent, I feel like Danny Vitale, I'm just going to say Vitale because that's, it sounds better. I'm going to say Vitale. 
Danny Vitale was kind of just a fan favorite. It was more of the idea of him that got people excited, but he never really lived up to that idea. Super athletic fullback that we can get going, you know, in the passing game, but it just never materialized. It never became that thing. And so it was something that we always got excited, like, oh man, he's he could be a weapon. He could be like a use check over in San Francisco. He can did da 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 da. It just never materialized. And so the idea of bringing him back and paying him when just, I mean, week after week, the guy is just, he was not a good blocker. He was not a good receiver. He was not really good at anything. And he was just being propped up by fans saying, man, he's going to be so good one day. And it just never happened. The Packers just kind of, I don't think they ever really felt the same way we did. Obviously, he's fast and athletic, but it just never materialized. So when it came time to pay the guy, it was just like, eh. We'll see. We'll let him test the market. If somebody else wants him, they can have him in the, who was it, the Giants, I think? Oh, the Patriots, right. And it was somebody out east. Yeah, so the Patriots signed him. If this was, you know, a couple years ago, I would have said, oh, great, he's going to go out there and be a dominant fullback and we're going to look dumb. I don't know if that's the same Patriots anymore. I don't even know who their quarterback is going to be. I mean, obviously, their their coach, Bill Belichick, knows the right way to utilize the guy, but I just, I don't know, man. He, he's, he fits the mold. He just never really was able to do what you would hope he would be able to do. Another guy the Packers missed out on was Eric Ebron. I was never fully in on it. It was just kind of one of those shrug your shoulders things. It, 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 overall, I didn't really want it because just the cost. We don't have that much money. And Ebron would be somebody that would give you sort of, you know, similar, again, similar to the guys that we got. He gives you a floor. He's going to at least play up to that floor level. He's going to provide you something. The problem is he's going to cost more than what you want to pay for that. Right, Mercedes Lewis getting like a couple million bucks. Granted, I don't think Mercedes is quite up to where Ebron is. The difference between Mercedes Lewis and Eric Ebron is not as big as the pay difference from two-ish to eight-ish. I don't remember exactly what they were paid. Don't feel like looking it up, but that's roughly it. I would rather, Bottom line, I'd rather have Mercedes Lewis for two than Ebron for eight. And I think that's a decent price for Ebron. From what I saw, he was, I think Spotrac had him at about 12. So I don't think, I think that would have been best case scenario getting him for eight. But even at that, it's like, I just, I just don't think so. And so obviously, and this is something else I was thinking about, that the interesting thing, the dynamic about Jace. If we didn't draft Jace, we may have gotten Ebron. It kind of really puts into perspective the idea of how important draft picks are. Because when you draft somebody, it's not just a matter of expending that draft capital, right? When you get Ebron or when you get Jay Sternberger with your third round pick, it's not just a matter of here's the value of my third round pick being exchanged for Jace. Hopefully he lives up to that value. If not, you just kind of go, ah, shoot, I was really hoping. There's an extra added dynamic to this in that you're committing to this guy. When you draft Jay Sternberger, he is going to be... You have to believe that he's going to be the guy that will replace Jimmy Graham because we're letting him go. We're not keeping him. And somebody has to fill that void. So when we draft Jace, again, it's not just a matter of, you know, we're going to throw money at it. Hopefully it sticks. If not, oh well. No, he has to be. And you're staking your team on that. You're staking everything on that. Because if, if he's not the guy, we just don't have a guy. Same you could say with Rashawn Gary. Now, fortunately... Preston or Zadarius has worked out really well. Preston, I still think, is a little bit more of a question mark than we want to admit. But both of these guys have worked out as a pairing better than expected. However, still, Kyler Fackrell is gone because of Rashawn Gary. If we didn't have Rashawn Gary, I think we'd still have Kyler Fackrell. So, in a sense, when you draft somebody, it's kind of a burn the boats kind of a situation. 
when he got drafted, I think it was a, a, a foregone conclusion that Kyler Fackrell was done because we're not going to get Zadarius and Preston and draft an edge rusher at number 12 and keep um, Kyler Fackrell. That's just not going to happen. And we should have seen that. I should have seen that coming. We all should have seen that coming. This was an indication he's done. He's gone. But that decision, that's, that's my point, though. That decision is made. Kyler Fackrell is gone. That decision is made after the draft, maybe even after free agency. But that decision was made, so it better pan out because there's no turning back. This is a burn-the-boats kind of a situation. And so when we go into this draft, we have to recognize that it's not just a matter of, boy, this, this pick is worth number 30. He better play up to number 30. If we draft, let's say, a wide res- what would be a good example? I guess, let's say we draft a tackle. That tackle is very likely going to be replacing Rick Wagner, right? Because if we keep Rick Wagner, that's going to be pretty expensive. And Rick Wagner, so when you draft a guy, you're saying he's going to be the guy. Now, it's entirely possible that he's just garbage, and we recognize that and go, shoot, we have to keep this right tackle. But the implication is we have to have so much faith in him that not only are we going to use our first-round pick, a pick 30 overall, but we're willing to risk our entire right tackle spot on this one guy. Because, again, it's, it's burned the boats. When we draft him, we're saying goodbye to Rick Wagner and his number is his second year of his contract. That's a, it's just a big decision. And, it, again, it's a bigger decision than just being worth the pick. It's, it's a big decision because it has long-term implications about how we structure this team. And bigger decisions are being made with this pick. It's not just the pick. It's also deciding we're moving on from, from so-and-so and we're replacing him with this person. So after last draft, again, Fackrell was gone, Jimmy was gone. That was done after the draft. And now it's just a matter of, I really, really, really hope that I was right about this guy. And so again, Jay Sternberger is going to be the guy. And and again, beyond that, do we get a guy like Ebron if we don't have Jace? These, these are the bigger implications. Not that, he, again, Ebron is a great pickup, but we're staking everything on Jace. If he's not there, we make different decisions. We're relying on him, and we'll see what happens in the draft, and free agency's not over yet. But, I mean, it's this This is the big implication of getting a Jay Sternberger. A third-round pick is, you have to be the guy, otherwise we just don't have a guy. So that's that's uh, kind of a lot of weight, especially for a guy that didn't even get to play much last year. Um, and then, finally, I've just got um, some Minnesota Vikings news. There are three bits of information, and we'll be done with this. Dan Bailey got locked up by the Minnesota Vikings. Um... Pull that up right quick here. It's a three-year max value of $12 million. So, again, it's one of those funny things where teams always act like, well, we don't care about kicker. We can, you know, maybe it's just the arrogance of being a GM. We can find kickers in undrafted free agency. There's no reason to be spending big blah, 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 blah. Then you don't have a kicker, and your team is garbage because you don't have a kicker. And then when you finally get a kicker, it's like, give him all the money. I don't care. Give it $4 million bucks. Boom. Do it. I don't care. Give him all the money. So that that... That ego goes right out the window when you have a year or two with no kicker. Just further cons- confirms the idea that we have to lock up Crosby. Not to say you don't go out and try to replace him. When you get to be this age, every year, just if, if it's undrafted free agency, if you're such a bad, awesome, you know, bad in a good way, kind of GM, you can find him anywhere, great, do it. This year, every year, undrafted free agency, pick up a kicker. Find a guy to replace Crosby. Because at some point it's got to happen. But let's not do it all in the same year, get rid of them, and then hope we can just find somebody later. Because then you end up drafting one in the fourth round, and even that has a low success rate. Point is, it's a very important position, and teams need to spend more energy acting like they care about it. In other Vikings news, Andrew Sandejo is officially gone. 
So that's another safety. He, he wasn't one of the elite. So there were two guys that were elite elite. That would be Anthony Harris and uh, Harrison Smith. J. Ron Curse did have an elite grade, but again, sort of a smaller sample size and kind of just a breakout year, so it's unknown. But Curse is gone. And now Sandejo, who was the seventh highest. So in the top seven were four safeties. The, the highest graded players that they had, Anthony Harris, who now has a franchise tag, Eric Kendricks, who is absolutely going to regress, J. Ron Curse is gone, then Daniil Hunter, Harrison Smith, safety, Cameron Smith, linebacker, Andrew Sandejo, gone, Everson Griffin, gone. I know that's eight, but Andrew Sandejo and Everson Griffin tied. So as far as their top group, let's just say 70 and above, which would include also Ifedi Odenigbo. So you've got Odenigbo who I genuinely believe will regress. Doesn't have to, but in terms of his grade, he's a seventh-round pick who got a 74 overall grade. Beyond that, his stats weren't all that stellar. Again, seven sacks on only 400 snaps, 299 pass rush attempts. That's very, very high, but he also had a ridiculously high sack rate. His pressures were only 26 out of 299, which basic math tells us that's under 10%, which is not good. So I don't really worry about him. Working in reverse. Now, again, this is everybody with a 70 grade or higher. There were nine of them. So, Odenigbo, I'm not worried about. Everson Griffin is gone. Andrew Sadejo is gone. Cam Smith is a rookie who had one good game, but it was the one game in which he actually played significant snaps. So, as an overall grade, it was great. He played 33 snaps. So, that doesn't count. Sorry. Sorry, Cam Smith. Then you have Harrison Smith, who's very good. Except, remember, one good year, one bad, or not bad. It's one good year, one great year, one good year, one great year. Last year was a great year. Let's hope for a good year this year. Then you have Daniil Hunter, who's just, there's nothing you can say bad about him. He's very young. He's very talented. Just everything about Daniil Hunter is, is what it is. Jaron Curse is gone. Eric Hendricks will regress. Anthony Harris is very good. So they got Harris, they got Hunter, and they got Harrison. That's going to be sort of the core of their team. They got two very good safeties. And that's, you know, we'll see about Anthony Harris again. I believe that he is going to continue to be very good. I don't know how good, because it's been two years now of being a very good safety. Actually, it's pretty much been forever. But as far as having elite grades two years in a row, that's really impressive. But, you know, he's an an undrafted free agent. And there's also some questions. Part of it is he's very inconsistent. So he has a 91 overall grade. He had one, two, three, four, five games in which he had an elite grade. So he's got games where he is just ridiculous absolutely flipping ridiculous every other game though is kind of bad so it was elite average 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 elite bad average terrible good average average elite 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 good so down the stretch he was just a freak but it's just kind of it's just a weird thing and so when you see that and you see undrafted free agent and then you also see that he was in a rotation with four really good safeties and they also had a linebacker that was playing out of his mind for the first time ever in his career. And you assume the linebacker regresses, and their pass rush regresses, and their corners are just gone. They weren't that good to begin with, but they're all just gone. And now he is the guy at safety. hes I mean, he played a 1,000 snaps this past year, so he was kind of already the guy. But he's the guy. There is no Sendejo. There is no curse. Just curious. I mean, does he regress a little bit? I mean, I, 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 he's had two years in the past before where he had grades in the 70s. So if he can just regress down into the 70s, I'd be happy. But uh, we'll see. He, I mean, he, he's a very, very good safety. But the point is that that defense is just, you got a couple safeties, you got a really good pass rusher, and we'll see what happens with, um, with Eric Hendricks because that was just ridiculous. 
again, to refresh your memory, Eric Hendricks, who I've been telling you, Kendricks as well as uh, um, Anthony Barr are the two most overrated linebackers ever. Even Packer fans for a long time, oh, they got Kendricks and Barr, they're so good. Neither of them are very good. Anthony Barr had one good year. That was back in 2015. Since then, his overall grades, 50, 63, 70, 55. He had one good year, one average year, and two bad years, including this past year. That's Anthony Barr. One of the guys that Packers fans were free. We gotta get him, he's so good! Well, he's a better pass rusher than he is a linebacker. Okay, well, his overall grade was a 61 as far as pass rush. Eric Hendricks, 59, 68, 66, 64, 90.3. Tell me that guy's not gonna regress. Give me a break. And anyways, uh, the other bit of news about the Vikings, and I kind of mentioned it, but Everson Griffin left. There was some talk about him possibly coming back on a different contract. He just posted yesterday he is not going to be back with the Vikings. Now, I have to assume this is the Vikings telling him no, because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that he, I mean, he basically said in his Instagram message or whatever that he's he's not going to be back with the Vikings. He talks about how much he loves the Vikings, and he says it with a heavy heart that he's not going to be back. And then he goes on to say he doesn't know where he'll end up. You're not going to burn your bridges with the Minnesota Vikings if you don't have a job. So I'm guessing the Vikings just told him, I'm sorry, it's not going to work. Maybe, you know, the Vikings offered him a very, very low contract, and it just it came came to the point where they just realized this isn't going to work. But, um, yeah, the, the Vikings basically just said, we're not going to pay you what you want. So he's officially gone, which is good news for the Green Bay Packers. Everson Griffin was not the better of the two pass rushers, but he was a very talented pass rusher. And... Um, you know, there is an exponential component to having two good pass rushers as opposed to one. You can allocate a lot more resources to that one guy. Um, unfortunately, we don't have Brian Balaga to line up over there. But again, we'll get a little bit of extra help if needed. And then Bakhtiari is just not going to have much of a problem with a Fetty Odenigbo. So anyways, I think that's all I got for you today. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you possibly tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. Have a good one. Bye-bye.